Welcome to the Diamond Podcast, courtesy of the Drive Podcast Network, whose website is now live. It's been live up since Monday. We have on that website housed all of the podcasts, the five different podcasts that are under this podcast umbrella. Then we also have all of the blogs that myself and all the contributors to the Drive write on our blog page. And then finally, we have our about page where you can read about the podcast network, about all of the podcasts, and you can reach out to us to share any thoughts or feelings that you may have, any suggestions for improvement, any comments. We look forward to those. We encourage you to subscribe both on iTunes and on SoundCloud to our podcasts. Like them and follow us so that we can grow our network. Today's episode of The Diamond will feature a contributor, just like some of the other podcasts that were produced this week. And so before we get started, I want to make sure and introduce him. Thank you very much for coming on. His name is Robert Charlton, longtime friend. How are you, Rob? I'm good, Adam. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for agreeing to come on and help me out with this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I think out of all of the podcasts that we're doing, the one where I'm probably the least experienced in terms of my knowledge base is baseball. So I'm glad I have someone like Rob here who's one of the wisest people I know in regards to baseball to help me out with some of these topics. So one of the biggest things that I uh, have noticed is we're heading down the stretch now of the first half of the season and we're approaching the All-Star game. I hear talk about how the numbers have changed recently and that baseball is becoming boring. I feel like if overall the average age of a baseball fan is typically in the late 30s and 40s. And a lot of the reasons sometimes people say is because there's not enough spark in baseball. And certainly the cracking down on the steroids and the ban on performance-enhancing drugs has increased over the past few years. And what that has done is led to a decrease in hitting numbers compared to an increase in pitching stats, like ERA. And so if you think about that, a lot of people would suggest, especially the long hardcore fans, would suggest that the game is remaining pure in that way and that we should keep it that way. But some say that, no, it needs some kind of a spark. So do you think, Rob, that banning steroids or the increase in the crackdown on PEDs was harmful for baseball? I think from the ability of being able to advertise the game to a younger audience, you're not getting the same sort of, you know, uh, impact and, and, and like action going on that you did during the steroid era. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, I think late night, late nineties, I think it was, I want to say 98 when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and that was a real resurgence of baseball because there was a huge amount of home runs going on. And these two guys were on a race to try and break the single season home run record. And, um, and I went to a game and watched Mark McGuire uh, down here in San Diego just smack one that, like, launched farther at Qualcomm Stadium than I've ever seen a ball go. And it went on the second deck out in the outfield. And, uh, and you know, as a fan, you look at that and you go, dang, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's exciting. It's, it's interesting. Every time he comes to a bat, you know, there's something in the air and it gets you really enthralled with the moment. Um, and I think with Barry Bonds, you know, like him or or hate him however you feel about him you know there was also that that lightning rod of like oh i don't want to see him get it or i do want to see him get it but even both sides of the people were watching the game to see if he did or he didn't you know because it was like you know you had some kind of skin in the game and you really felt like i want to see this happen 
Um, so the steroid era, I think, brought that. It brought excitement to the game. It had storylines. Uh, and um, and so that, that really got people, you know, kind of sparked. So does steroids make it more exciting? Sure. Uh, but it, as a as a baseball advocate, like I am, and, and other friends are, um, I don't think that's what baseball is. I don't think that's where baseball should be trying to market itself, because you know, home runs for the most part they look the same. Guys swing, ball flying out. You see the camera go all the way up, and then finally you see the ball drop somewhere behind the fence. And so after a time, I think you dilute that down to um, basically, you know, okay, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. What, what else you got? So then there's pitching performances. They're like, oh, this guy's never struck out this many before. This guy's never had this many scoreless innings. And the history gets you a little excited. But, again, what are you watching? You're watching a guy throw a ball. It looks just like the last time he threw a ball. So what's the difference? Where's the excitement? Whereas, you know, I look in the other sports, you know, basketball is like nonstop, you know. And football is kind of go and stop, go and stop. And um, if you want to ask me, like, really, what, why is that baseball doesn't have such popularity as possibly a football, which is king right now, and uh, basketball, I like to look at sports on a spectrum of, like, thinking on one end of the spectrum and then action on the other end of the spectrum. And so if you look at basketball, basketball is really towards the action side, right? I mean, they got 24 seconds at one end of the floor. It's dribble pass, dribble pass. All right, shots up. Did you make it? All right, no, go back the other way. Boom, action, 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 go the other way. So you really don't get a lot of time to sit and break down, like, what's, this, what's going on? What's happening? Who, you know, who's, who's, who, who's going to pass it to? What, what's the, should I pass it to the big man? Should you quick it out to the wing? It's like, you're just, as a spectator, you're just watching and absorbing their lens. So it's real high action. You don't get a lot of time to think about what's going on. You can kind of think about the overall strategy of all the multiple plays together, but you don't really think in moment to moment like you do in other sports. If you move a little bit down the spectrum, you come to football. And I think this is the reason football is king right now. Football is this perfect flow of, all right, the play runs. Oh, it kicks it to the running back. Oh, he goes outside. Oh, he's tackled. Okay. And then there's like 30 seconds to replay it, to talk about it, Think about what they're going to do next. Oh, it's sex, second and five. What's they're going to do? What kind of play are they going to run? Okay, I got a little bit of thought in here. Okay, boom, next play. And then you do it all over again. And so it gives you this nice time to see action, think about it just enough so you don't get bored, and then there's another piece of action. And so it flows really well. And that's what I think the American public likes. And then you come to baseball, which is really heavy on the thinking end, and, you know, you're sitting there watching this pitcher just staring at the catcher and you're like, there's nothing happening. But a thinking man is like, all right, it's a one, one count. What's going on? All right. Does he throw him a curveball? Well, he just threw him the fastball outside. He fouled that off to the right. Well, what's going to happen next? Do I throw him outside? Do I go inside? What's this pitcher's pitch? What's this hitter good at? And you're thinking all this in your head. And then finally they pitch the ball and you go, okay, that happened. Okay. Now it's two and one. All right. And you go back. So there's so much thinking and so little action. And I don't think the American public really likes that. And so baseball is like, how can we make more action? And that's what you're kind of talking about here is, is you know, home runs are action. Sure. But I mean, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to get to the point where we're just smacking a home run every two at bats? I think we'll still dilute the interest of the population at that point. And so 
if I was going to be a marketing person for baseball, and, and I don't really have a solution to this, but uh, I think they need to find a way to market the thought process to people and how it's an interesting chess match between the pitcher and the hitter. And, and, and if you can get the audience to sit and think about what's going to happen next, then they're into it. And then they get to see if they were right or not. And that's where you get like, ah, I like this game. This is cool. But if you're like the kind of person that wants to, you know, sit with your friends and talk and talk and talk, you don't get time to think. So you, you're just like, dude, nothing's happening. What's going on here? And it's just not action-packed enough for most of the spectators of sports these days. So I think that's one of the problems that baseball has. But do you think that – should it be a, a priority for baseball to change its target population? Because I, I agree with what you say. Like a lot of the reason why some of its fans are older people are because they're the ones that have the time to sit and watch and analyze a game. A lot of the reasons why – the fast-paced sports attract younger people are because they're typically watching the sport just to kick back and chill. They don't really want to think about anything. They want to they enjoy what's going on. And it's weird because if you're baseball, you, you clearly have this older population as your primary viewers. But then when you bring in something like fantasy, those are primarily the younger folks that are playing that. So mm -hmm. like you're saying, there's, there, in order for them to target a younger population, you need to find a way to hook them into almost, almost trick them into coming into a game that involves a lot of thinking, you know, and I, and I think fantasy is one way to do that. But are there any other ways you can think of that maybe, well, I guess there's two questions. Like, should they, should that be their intent? Should they try to target a different population? And if they should, then what's probably the most efficient way to get that accomplished? You know, uh, I would love to see, you know, some smart folks sit down and come up with uh, a system that's interactive during a baseball game. Um, you know, something I used to do with a friend of mine in college, we'd sit at a baseball game and uh, and we, you know, we were thinking in between pitches, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, you know, based on this hitter, based on this pitcher, based on the count, based on the runners, based on how many outs, um, everything, right? And we would sit there and say, all right, I think he's going to ground out to short or I think he's going to fly out to right, or he's going to strike out. And then we got to the point where we started saying like, hey, 20, 25 cents says he grounds out. And, and my buddy was like, all right, 25 cents says he flies out to right. And if it wasn't either one of those, we didn't make any money. If I was right, I get 25 cents. He was right, he gets 25 cents. You know what I'm saying? And it, it becomes... Oh, wow. Like it, instant yeah, betting. It, it, it's like instant betting. And, yeah. and I don't think, you know, you have to do betting to make it interesting. I'm just using that as an example. But imagine if you if – you, because, you know, basically all sports now are done through TV. Like, you know, what if you were able to do like, like a quiz type of like – like a follow the game online type of thing. And like as the guy comes up to the plate, you have to select what do you think the result will be. And so you have to, oh, my God, what's it going to be? I think da, 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 da. And then you select it. And then you get to watch it happen, and then you're like, yeah, I was right. And, and then you're interested now in what the outcome is going to be. And you're going through the, the, the system is forcing you to go through that thinking process. Um, I don't know. That's just an example of something that I think would get people to start going through that. Because, like I said, you know, I think of, like, like my dad, you know, like, he'd sit down for five minutes, reading the paper, look at the game. And then he'd like go do something for 20 minutes and come back. Oh, the score's 2-0. Oh, who scored? Oh, that guy hit a home run? Okay, good. All right. And he's out, you know, like that, that was enough for him. But if there was something more to it than that, maybe they can create the interface on the TV to have like, you know, and they started doing that somewhat like this guy, 
you know, uh, flies out 36% of the time, or this guy hits it to the right side 20% of the time. But if, if somebody has some skin in the game somehow to say, well, I think this is going to happen, I think you would watch intently and you'd be interested in what's going to happen. Um, yeah, and those are, that sounds like a great idea. And I think what they, what they have tried is, like, for example, with the put, putting a box, right? I think it's ESPN that does this. They, they write that, they draw that. Uh, yeah. The, the box over, over home, but yeah, to see whether to compare your judgment with that of the umpires. Uh huh. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I did hear some people say, and some analysts suggest that that kind of adds an element to the game where it draws in people because they can kind of, you know, make a decision with the umpire. But I think what that just does is put even more pressure on an umpire and put more <laughs> judgments on him to make a ball strike call. Yeah, so I don't know if, if their way of thinking that we can draw in these young people is the best way. And if you think about it, the people that are coming up with these ways of targeting a new demographic are probably the older folk who are running baseball. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and, and the thing with baseball, too, you got to remember, you know, this is like kind of the, uh, the classical game, right? This is kind of the old man's game in the sense that it's an older generation that because at one time baseball was king, you know, it was king forever. Uh, I think it was around. I want to say the 80s or 90s is when football took over the, the, the top uh, rung. But um, baseball was a king forever. And so baseball is very slow to change just because it has such a long tradition in history. And it it's like, you're you know, if you make too many adjustments, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but when you make adjustments to the game, it's almost like you're dishonoring the people who played it like 80 years ago. You know, like – you know, because baseball is a lot of stats. It's all about records and certain numbers. And 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 if you are modifying the game, it's like, how can you compare what this guy is doing today versus what this guy did 50 years ago? You can't compare anymore. Um, but see, you know, the other sports have that, but because they have so much more action going on, you know, the three-point line in, in basketball, for instance, I mean, it's completely changed the game now. It's completely changed the game. And, you know, Steph Curry set up, I think, a three-point record the last two years and uh, obliterated any record that happened, you know, more than 20 years ago. And that's because there's three-pointers now. And you know, that, that's, they're fine with that. They're, hit, they're not rooted in their history the way baseball is rooted in their history. I mean, baseball people love to talk about, you know, the guys today. You know, I mean, we got Bryce Harper, who's, who's relatively young. You know, he's kind of a lightning rod character in some sort. And people are already talking, oh, is he the next Ty Cobb? It's like, dude, does anybody even remember Ty Cobb? I mean, you really <laughs> right. got to do research on that, right? Yeah. Uh, so, um, but baseball people do. Baseball people are really into, like, that kind of stuff. Um, now, I'll bring an interesting flip of the question to you. You know, is it that baseball needs to attract younger people, or is it that baseball is turning – the 20-year-old football fan into the 30, 40-year-old baseball fan? Are these people matriculating over to baseball as they get older? Because it ain't like baseball's having a trouble with money right now. It's doing just fine. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. And I think – I don't think that – I think that people that were fans of football in their 20s and 30s are still fans of football as they reach their later age. Just like I think that if a person wasn't really a fan of baseball early on, I don't think that they necessarily picked it up or vice versa um, growing old. What I do think happened as you're getting into people that – the people that are 20 years old right now are people that were born 
in the late 90s, right? right? So these are people that are coming into a world that is so filled with so much technology and so many advancements that allow for instant gratification in anything. I mean, you no longer have to wait. I was talking to a buddy of mine. We're trying to get tickets to go to an event in L.A., and in the past, if you wanted to go, you need to drive up and sit at the box office or wait at the box office to try to get tickets if it was a big event. Yeah. You don't have to do that anymore. You can literally buy a ticket to the event the day before on StubHub. You're going to pay a bigger price. But a lot of the young people in society are okay with that. So yeah. I do think that that's the biggest reason why they're so unattracted to baseball. Not necessarily that people are changing um, as they're getting older, but that the what do you call them the millennials yeah um they're the ones that are like baseball doesn't give me that instant gratification unless there's a home run you know they don't appreciate the nuance of like a pitcher no. releasing releasing the pitch a lot faster if there's a man on first base so that he can't get the lead off you know right. Right. um so i think that's the biggest change there and and when you when you brought up the rule changes that are happening and, and how there's discussions going on, I think it leads us perfectly into our, our next topic, which is one that you brought up. You mentioned that there is current discussion about the DH being opted for in both leagues, the American League and the National League. But at the same time, MLB continue to make, continues to make amendments to rules you know, in an attempt to make the game a little safer or maybe to add a little bit of flair to it, both at plays at the different bases and with instant replay. If the DH does become a thing in both leagues, how do you see this affecting th things like team operations, uh, competitive advantages, rosters, etc.? Well, I, I mean, uh, let me go on the record and saying that I, I'm officially against the idea of the DH in the National League. I, I'm not a big fan of the DH, period, although I'm not blind to the fact that, uh, obviously, it creates more runs. It creates more offense. Um, nobody really wants to watch a pitcher hit. I get that. I don't sit there and go, oh, I can't wait for Bartolo Colon to come to the plate. <laughs> like, I mean, that I know he – you know, some pitchers don't even swing just so they can avoid a double play. That's how bad yeah. some of the pitchers hit. Right. Um, so I get that pitchers swinging the bat is bad, but to me, you know, it's like, you know, again, it, I look at basketball and I say, all right, the same five guys that played offense are the same five guys that got to run back on defense. Whereas you look at football, dude, there's a whole commercial break between the offense getting on the field and the defense getting on the field. Right. right. Yeah. You know? And so they have, you know, 11 different guys for offense and 11 different guys for defense. And now that's even expanding to, you know, there's substitutions versus first down, second down, third down. So it's just this whole separate mess. And so my question with the DH is like, okay, I understand you want to increase offense. Like, but where does it stop? You know, like, you know, I hate to use the term slippery slope, but it is. It's like, okay, yeah. so, so let's get the pitchers out of there because they can't hit. Okay. So what if, uh, what if the first baseman can't hit? Oh, well, then he they have to suffer. Well, why? That's boring. I don't want to yeah. watch a first baseman who can't hit have to swing the bat. You know, and that's the thing is like, you know. Or what if you allow like a, a like a runner specialist position where the fat guys don't have to run around the bases anymore? Oh, exactly. Right. Like what? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't you know, David Ortiz is not a good runner. So I'd much it'd be more exciting to have 
like Jackie Bradley Jr. stand next to David Ortiz like we did in elementary school. David Ortiz hits the ball, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. starts running. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could go down these roads, and, and you say, well, that's ridiculous. Okay, well, at one point in time, it was ridiculous that you get to tell the pitcher, no, no, don't worry about it. I got this other guy that will hit for you. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think that also, you know, by t- putting the DH into the National League and for those of us that are still able to watch it without the DH, you know, what you're seeing in National League play is the ultimate chess match of sports. The The time that the manager has to look at his pitcher and then say, all right, when am I going to take him out? How many pitches does he have? How is he throwing right now? Who do I got in the bullpen? Who's coming up on the other team? Do I do a double switch? And who do I double switch out? And where mm-hmm. is that going to put me two, three innings later? That whole That's that thinking game I'm talking about again. And, right. you know, if you're thinking about that stuff, you're almost like, dude, there's too much going on right now. I got to go I gotta get a drink of water. But if you're like somebody who's just like, I don't see anything happening. What's going on right now? You're like, it's boring. You know? So it's like, I think, I think baseball is saying, oh, well, the fans don't want to think. So our sport isn't good for them. So what can we do to change our sport? And, you know, I think it's like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, I, hate, I hate to use the, the, the analogy, but it's basically like, you know, the old analogy of putting a frog in a uh, pot of, of water. If you, put, if you try to throw him in a pot of boiling water, you're gonna, he's going to jump right out and he's going to say, I'm not going in there. But if you mm-hmm. put a frog in a, bo- a pot of cold water and slowly increase the heat to the point it's boiling, he'll stay in that pot and he'll die. And I think if you keep making these tweaks and these adjustments and, you, and you're eventually going to see baseball looking not like itself anymore, and then people are like, what's this? This is, you know, okay, it's like the, the score was 15 to 13. There were eight home runs in the game and, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, it's still, I don't think there's enough action going on for people to see it. I, a home run still doesn't have that much action. The, the ball being hit from the plate to the outfield is, what, like 15 seconds? No, not, right. not like 10. And then the guy runs the bases for like four. Then they do a replay for like four. And then you're back to the regular action. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the home runs are the answer. I think you need to start showing the beauty of the game from a thinking man's perspective. And you know what? If that's not your cup of tea, you know, you have to say that, well, that's our game. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but you know, that's what we're about. Yeah. And you look at when you talk about the excitement of stuff, I, a lot of people think, I think like to see history being made or they like to at least say, I was there when this happened, or I was watching the game when this happened. Mm-hmm. And you got to see a lot of that in the NBA this year with everybody's going to know where they were on that last day where Kobe played his last game. And then at the same time, uh, literally at the same time, the Warriors were playing to break the Bulls championship, the, the Bulls uh, win record. Right. Right. And in baseball, you want that. Like, that's why there was so much excitement around Barry Bonds. Is, was he going to get the record? And now that's kind of died down because I think the closest you got is what, Alex Rodriguez? Yeah. And he's, yeah. Probably, and he's probably not going to make it. <laughs> and then, but then it's, it's, it's almost ridiculous some of the things that they come up with because you, you see – you constantly hear stats of like the Padres are either one of or the only team that has never hit for a cycle, right? Right. But then if you really think about it, I'd, a cycle is what, a single, a double, a triple, and a home run? I'd rather my guy get three doubles or three triples in the game. Right. Like, 
historically it's less significant, but it's going to help me win a game. But then again, it's, it's that innate kind of necessity of people to, I was there when that happened, or I, I know when that happened, or I, I have this stat-based knowledge of all of this stuff. And, and I think, you know, and that's, you're, you're absolutely right about that. that. You know, that's where I'm saying we make that connection to the history of the game is like, this hasn't been done since 1914. I mean, look at the Cubs. It's so exciting right now with the Cubs because they're trying to do something they haven't done in a hundred years and they actually have an opportunity to do it. So that's garnered a lot of now those baseball people. I think when you get close to the playoffs, that story is going to start selling to the, the, the layman fan and then they're going to want to watch the playoffs to see if the Cubs actually do it. Um, so, you know, and that brings me to another point with baseball. It's a 162-game season. It's long. It is a marathon. And the thing is, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm a big baseball fan. I practically watch every game I can for the Dodgers. I'm a Dodger fan. I like watching the Dodgers. And, you know, they lose, and I'm like, ah, whatever. And and the same goes in baseball. You're going to lose 50. You're going to win 50. It's what you do with basically the other 50. That determines what kind of team you are. Right. And so each game, you know, doesn't have that like, oh, my goodness, it, it's got to happen. Like in football, oh, my – even even week two, you're like, dude, we got to beat this team. We, oh, we got to beat this Oh, we're, a one, we're an 0-2 team. No 0-4 team has ever made the playoffs. We're not – you know. And then you get a week to think about it before the next game. And you're like, oh, what are they going to do? They got to tweak it. And then next week they blow the team out. And you're like, oh, we're great. Everything's good. We're, you know, we're on top of the world. So you get a lot of time to think in between of is this working or is this not working um but in baseball it's like before you even have time to go like did that game even matter there's another game (laughs) you know the dodgers have played i think since the end of april every single day uh uh, except for a couple days on the road since till two weeks from now like so so if i'm a fan and i'm dropping 20 to 40 bucks to go sit in a decent seat and i and and i'm like come on man i want to see you win and then they don't win you're like ah we'll get them tomorrow you know like (laughs) like like football does not have that attitude it's like you have to win today or else kind of thing and you uh, you walk out of a bad football game and and even if your team won but it wasn't a good game you come out being pissed because you feel like you got gypped in football right you know just because there aren't that many games no, there's not. And, um, and, and, you know, I think baseball needs to do something about that. They need to address it in some fashion. That's ultimate. Um, I'm looking at something like a longer playoff uh, in the season a little bit earlier and start the playoff a little bit sooner. Well, you're making the same argument for basketball, right? Cut the season down a little bit. They did, they did something a while ago where they, like, limited now the number of back-to-backs that a team has to play in basketball. But you're right. I think part of the thing that makes sports or that makes anything really great is having to wait for it. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. My, my wife loves pumpkin. What is it? Pumpkin spice or something creamer or whatever that they have during the, the like October, November seasons. And yeah. she's like, we have to stock up because they don't have this during the year. And I'm telling her like, no, we, part of the appeal of that and why you love it so much is because it's not around all the time. That's why right. we love football so much because it's only around half of the year. So half of the year, you're waiting for it, just like right now. Yeah, and 
and that and and that's kind of what the summer has become is everybody's kind of going with base the, the one good thing that baseball has is after the NBA playoffs and until the start of NFL season that's their time you know that's their time to sell the game because they got no competition I'm sorry WNBA you got no competition <laughs> hey MLS <laughs> MLS I'm sorry you got no competition um, except when you get years like what we got this year you got you got the uh, Olympics coming Olympics. Yeah. and um, you know and then there's the uh, the Copa America um, you know those types of things come in the summer that that uh, get baseball to to not be at the forefront but baseball kind of rules the summer I mean it's traditionally called the boys of summer yep um, so, but I would, I would like to see, here's, here's, well, if we're talking playoffs, here's my take on the playoffs is you play 162 games. You have a five man pitching rotation and then you have, you know, your bullpen and then your, your position players. And so you put a team together that can grind it out every day for a 162 game season. And some teams get to the point where they play one game to decide their future. That's and, crazy. Right? Like, and, and then in the playoffs, even when you get into like a five-game series, which I'm totally against the five-game series, or even a seven-game series, we've seen it in the past with Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling in Arizona or, um, you know, like the Giants with Madison Bumgarner. If you have one or two good pitchers, you can destroy the other team in a seven-game series yep. just because the pitcher is so much better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I'm going to build a team that has a five-man rotation to make the long haul just to lose it in the short postseason. And it's like, yep. I, I think it should go the other way. I, and, um, you know, I think the original World Series back in, like, the days of the Black Sox, like 1918 and stuff like that, the World Series used to be nine games, best of five out of nine. Um, <laughs> and you played every day. There was no break to travel to the next city. It was like you played the game, you got on a, a bus or a flight or whatever they use, and then you played the next day at the next group stadium's place. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I mean, think of it, nine days in a row of the World Series. It would be the craziest nine days. And then you got to use your entire rotation because you can't bring people back on short days rest like you used, like you can in the playoffs now. You, you know, and you get to see who is the best team that has decided. Um, so if they extend the playoffs, if they made like the World Series nine games, you made the round before that the, the ALCS and the NLCS seven games, and you made the round before that seven games, now you're talking the playoffs, if they're going to end before the end of October, they got to start in like middle of September, early September. Then, yeah, and, and you can't, it's not like you can extend, you can't push them back because you, no. can't, you can't go into football season for that long. So they would definitely have to start sooner, right? Yeah, right. And, and, and I think, honestly, the reason that they're not looking at such options is because, you know, that's going to limit the amount. Because right now, baseball is making money on the long haul. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you pay $10 for a seat. And you're like, hey, that ain't bad compared to football. It's going to drop like 60 to to $100 for a seat. It's like, yeah, but they get $10, 162 games a year. Right. You know? Um, and, and so then the concession stands. Then – you know, everything that comes with fans coming to the game. Then the TV deals are literally nuts because you're paying for 162 episodes of a game, of a, of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 162 opportunities to advertise. So they're not going to cut back on that stuff because of the money being formatted the way it is. They'd have to 
shorten the games, increase the per ticket price, increase the amount of money generated per game per uh, advertising, and it would be get closer to football in that regard. And, and I think that's a simple fix. I really do. Um, but the question is, now you're messing with history. How do you compare a guy who played a 100-game season to a guy who played a 162-game season? Mm-hmm. You know, a guy hit 30 home runs in 100 games. Well, you know, Babe Ruth hit 60, but, yeah, he played 62 games. Well, then, you know, you, know, you start – you're kind of reinventing the sport a little bit as far as the history goes. Yeah, I and in baseball, I think baseball is one of the sports where you can actually – most accurately compare guys that play now to guys that played, you yes. know, even in the early 1900s. Because you look at basketball and football, there's no way you can compare even just the 80s to now. Compare just with the rule changes, with the body types that these guys have now. Yeah. Apples and oranges. Yeah, and and the interesting question that's really kind of underlying all sports right now is, you know, with all of the head trauma that's going on in football, like. Okay, we understand people want to watch football, but what happens when all the best athletes out of their high schools are starting to go towards basketball and baseball? Because, like, I'll tell you right now, I have a son. I don't want him playing football. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, am I going to put him in jail at home to keep him from playing? No, I'll let him play if he really, really wants to. But I'm already steering him towards, like, dude, why don't you be a pitcher? You can pitch for 15 years. You make like 20 mil a year, you know, like football, your average career span is like seven years. Right. It's like if I'm an athlete, if I'm a top-notch athlete, and a lot of these guys are, and they play all multiple sports in like high school, even sometimes college, and, uh, and you had to choose, you know, your career path. I mean, everybody think about your job. If you could go do this, a similar job at another company and you're guaranteed to work there for 20 years versus your current company's only seven years, and you're guaranteed money, because that's what the NFL doesn't give you is guaranteed money. You know, I got a feeling we're going to see over the next five to 10 years the top athletes going to baseball. Now, how is that going to affect the sport? Are we going to start seeing stolen bases again? Are we going to start seeing more home runs? Not because they've tweaked the game, but just because the top athletes are now going there. I don't know. These are interesting questions. We'll see. It might, it might end up that football ends up becoming what, like, American soccer is that. I, I hear people all the time saying that the reason the U.S. is not making over that last hurdle to become a world championship team in soccer is because most of the athletes are heading to other sports. Well, dude, ask yourself this. If LeBron James was a linebacker right now, what would he be like? Dude, he'd probably be a ridiculous linebacker, yeah, a ridiculous linebacker. And he's got the body for it. Mm-hmm. But he's making bank in in uh, in basketball, yep. and and there's a reason for that. And the reason basketball is so marketable, the reason basketball really is marketable, and it is because it markets its stars. And the way you can market its stars is because you can see not only their face, you see their arms, you see their legs, you see who they are, you see their their facial uh, mannerisms, their their facial expressions, and you get to think you know the person. Football is just a size of a guy and a number is all you could is like who's that again? Oh, that's that guy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, right? Um right. baseball's kind of half. You got hats on, but they do get to see their face. So, right. you know, if if we're talking about what could baseball do again, baseball needs to start marketing its stars, you know. Um, which is why the Bryce Harper question is so interesting. Uh, because Bryce Harper has basically come out and said that 
he wants to see more emotion in the game. He wants to see more, you know, when a guy jacks a home run, he like flips the bat and is like, heck yeah, all right. You know, Batista, like, yeah. Yeah, like Batista. I mean, look at how much notoriety Batista got for that. Again, mm -hmm. lightning rod. Some people like it, some people hate it. But see, baseball polices itself. That's right. where the whole throwing at people's heads and all that stuff come in. And so, like, the young guy, like Bryce Harper, you know, gets told by the older guys who've been there a while, that ain't right. That isn't how we do things here. The only problem with, is that Bryce Harper's so good, they can't keep him out of the lineup. Right. So, um, but but that's, that's traditionally how baseball has gone. So his question is, can we bring more emotion and advertise our stars more? You know, that's what everybody loves about Steph Curry. The reason Steph Curry is so popular is because not only do you see him and all his mannerisms and actions, he looks just like somebody in your family. You know what I'm saying? He's right. not 6'10 and just like this giant that you're like, well, if I was 6'10, I'd be in the NBA too. No, he looks just like any guy on the street. So you're like, well, if he can play, I could play. So you, make, you feel like he represents you. And that and a lot of people gravitate towards that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's something baseball could look into too. Is yeah. uh, you know, how can we market our stars better? Um, yep. I, I think I think baseball needs to stop trying to to market action and start marketing like people. a thinking man's game. Yeah. Like um, and and like I said, you're not going to get every fan, but you'll keep the, the sport running quite well. No, yeah, I really I really like the idea where you brought up that in, maybe not instant or yeah, even instant betting, but like make something that is not necessarily illegal in a lot of places, but some kind of instant interactive game where students can play or where yeah, college students, high school students, young people can play and, and really get involved in the game. And at the same time appreciate some of the nuances and aspects of the game that are getting lost, you know. Uh, you know, and and one of the things that got me into sports, uh, you know, I, I feel like I was in a, a really great time for sports, especially in L.A., growing up in the L.A. area. Oh, it, yeah. Um, I had – the reason I love the Lakers, dude, Chick Hearn and Stu Lance, man. Chick Hearn taught you the game. Mm -hmm. They would literally show slow-mo. Here's a big man. Look at what he's doing here. That's why this is a good move, or that's why that's a bad move, or that guy acted like a fool. You know, hot, the mustard's off the hot dog, like all that kind of stuff. And you started to learn the game. They taught you that. Vince right. Scully, another example, you know, they talk about, like, oh, that's not a smart move because of this, this, and this. And you start learning the thinking aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. I don't think TV now, dude, they got like three or four people at these games now, and it's <laughs> quiet. And I'm like, there's four of you. You don't know what to say right now? Because like, it's all about the, the jokes. What can you come up with that'll get people, you know, to tune in and listen to you more than they even watch the game? Yeah. And and here's the thing, and, and I'm blessed to have grown up a Dodger fan and listening to Vince Scully because there's always some type of thought going on. He's telling you a story, he's telling you a stat or something like that. I turn over I can't do it, dude. I, I turn over to another station, like I'll watch like the Milwaukee network, I think it is, and it's like it's like all I hear is the the uh, of like the the humming of the crowd, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, dude, I like I fall asleep, and I think that's where most baseball fans like. It's like, where's Bob Euchre? You know, we watched Major League. Where's Bob Euchre? Like, oh, stuck him out. Yeah. You know, like, where's that guy? That makes it interesting too. Yeah, and, and that, there's there's so many like Vince Scully's so good at knowing when to let that humming play, like when to yeah. stay quiet, like after a home run. You know, I remember right. that World Series game, like where he said he wanted to let 
the roar of the crowd be what played instead of there's nothing he could have said that would have been better than that in that moment. It, and, and, you know, and this is, this is my question. If we look at Chick Hearn and we say hall of fame broadcaster, if we look at like, um, you know, I forget the guy in Boston, he was a hall of fame broadcaster, you know, uh, for the Boston Celtics. We look at people like Vince Scully, you know, or, 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 uh, you know, some of these, these hall of fame broadcasters, why is it that nobody's trying to emulate what they have done? And they go, well, he's just great and legacy. And it's like, but that's w why he's great. Like it, it might be that they can't like, I mean, because look, look at, look at the people that they're hiring. If you, I, I mean, you talk baseball, but look at just in basketball, look at the people behind the TNT desk. It's Ernie Johnson and like a bunch of former players. Like what yeah. training do they have in analyzing game or even calling games, et cetera. Baseball, the same thing's happening. What you are, what networks are going to want are people that the fans recognize sitting in those booths. And well, sorry to interrupt you there, but it's the question that they want somebody that's recognizing, or they have to choose between it because the the TV isn't giving them anything else. That yeah, probably that too. You know, I, I you know there's there's certain people that I just I you know like football like. There are certain commentators that, like, they teach you the game. Like John Madden. Okay, perfect, right? Madden football. Look at look at the legacy that guy's created. And what was his thing? He had the little telestrator, and he circled guys, and he goes, watch this guy here. Boom. Look at him. <laughs> right? That's what everybody knows about John Madden. And yeah. so it's like he taught you the game. That's why I think Gruden is so good because mm -hmm. Gruden is showing you, and you're learning. You're thinking as the game is going. And like right. I said, football is great because there's enough action going on. To, to, so you think a little, you see some action, you think a little, you see some action. It's a real good flow for your brain. Yep. Uh, and, and I think the people who like to think and strategize, like they would love baseball if we were, if we were teaching them that stuff. Like yep. um, so maybe, maybe baseball needs to look at who's teaching their, their people. Because look, every 20-year-old is probably going to watch a baseball game at some point in time. And what his experience is that first baseball game will probably dictate what he is or is not as a baseball fan. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that, that's what I would look at is, is it's not changing the game. It, it's changing how you sell it. It's changing that, look, baseball is not home runs and strikeouts. Baseball is a thinking man's game. I mean, dude, I was watching a game the other night. I think it was Dodgers versus Milwaukee, and Vince Scully was saying, like, Okay, you got the pitcher up at the plate. You got the – or no, it was the number, the number eight guy was at the plate. The number seven guy was on first base. They're like, there's no way they're going to run this guy here because, you know, you don't want to run and get a – strike him out, throw him out, and then the pitcher comes up and, and all this stuff, right? And then he ran anyway. And they're like, well, that's why it's baseball. So you sit there and you <laughs> have this whole thought process, and then you were wrong. And you go, whoa, that's different. wonder why he did that. And then you go back to the thinking man's process again. Mm hmm so I, I think baseball is fine. Um, you know, I do think the salaries are getting a little out of control. But uh, <laughs> That's in every sport. Look at salary cap in basketball. Yeah. The Knicks, well, are, the Knicks are able to sign Porzingis, Carmelo, Derek Rose, and now Joakim Noah. <laughs> that could never happen before. Well, and that's, a, that's an interesting point. You know, one of the things that's been discussed in baseball, along with things like the DH and, and – uh, some of the other things that they have instituted this year is uh, uh, what's the word? Is it, is it retraction? I don't think that's the word. It's uh, it's where they're going to cut some teams. There's actually 
been it's not getting a lot of momentum but there's been some talks about like cutting back from 30 teams to like 28 or even 26 mm -hmm. and then what you do is you concentrate the talent pool into each of the rest of the teams and Got so it. so then you're seeing you know because i mean if you look at baseball right now each team you know some of them have like stars up and down the lineup but really it most teams have like two or three stars and the rest are just filling guys and then you got some rookies you got some vets you got you know it's a mixture of people um and the small markets can't compete with the large markets it's it's i mean it's the first it's opening day of the season and you can already eliminate like 15 teams <laughs> like yeah. so um so you know cutting back on the number of teams would be an interesting thought because then you would concentrate the talent pool. Um, but again, like we mentioned earlier with the whole head trauma uh, and concussion issues going on with contact sports, you know, is, a, is what is relatively a non-contact sport like baseball going to start seeing an increase in the talent pool? And I think we are. I think, you know, last year was almost, I think it was deemed the year of the rookie. There were so many rookies that came up last year that had impacts for their team. Mm -hmm. And and so you think, okay, well, that was just a fluke year. Well, this year we're seeing more rookies coming up, and I think the level of play is going to start getting better. And I can't say that for basketball right now. The level of play in basketball is atrocious, but it's competitive. So who's to argue? Because all teams are equally atrocious. Right. Like, <laughs> we'll like I, I, you know, when you get people like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and, all, and those people of that era – like cringing when they're watching basketball. I mean, dude, there was a time where, like, when I was, and I'm a fan of the 80s, but I remember, like, if you gave Larry Bird the ball at, like, the court, the elbow of the key, it, like, you might as well just start running down the court. Like, he's going to make that shot. Like, oh, yeah. And he would tell you, you know, there's a story, I forget who tells it, but there's a guy that was playing against them, and, and Larry Bird told him, I'm going to go to this spot on the court, I'm going to do a spin move on you, and I'm going to take the shot. And then he goes to that spot, spins on him, makes a shot, and all he sees is the ball go through the bottom of the net. Yeah. And you can't stop him, you know? Yeah. You don't have yeah. that anymore. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, of course, those are the stars, you say. Well, yeah, every, every era has stars. But, uh, you know, I remember uh, Del Curry, who's Steph Curry's dad. I remember, um, oh, man, what's his name? Del Curry was a heck of a shooter, man. So I get why Steph Curry's a good shooter. Um, like Rolando Blockman, you know, you guys are like, who's that guy? I remember that guy, and like on the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks, and it was like that guy made every shot. It, that's why the scores used to be like 120 to 117. It oh, wasn't yeah. because they were going faster; they actually went slower. But they made every trip to the end of the uh, court worthwhile. Yeah, um, look at that, that Phoenix, even that Phoenix Suns teams is as recently as 2005, 2006. Remember, like they were dead on with Steve Nash, Sean Marion, you had Rajah yep. Bell on that team, all of Leandro Barbosa. He didn't become a great shooter when he went to Golden State. He's always been a great shooter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was the, that was the second sec, seven second team, right? Going to get the ball up in seven seconds or less. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, what's the guy's name? Is it Barnes on Golden State right now? I know we switched over to basketball. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm but, definitely uh, going to have you on as a basketball contributor next Oh, year. yeah. I started as a basketball fan. <laughs> um, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, and the reason I switched off of basketball is because a, uh, I, I can't I, – I don't like the personalities too much in the game anymore, and I don't like how everybody plays – Pat Riley ruined the game. All right, let's just be honest. Pat Riley ruined the game of basketball. 
Um, and I can't fault him for it because he's, he's super smart and he's darn successful at it. So you can't really fault the man. But uh, the New York Knicks, when Pat Riley was coaching the New York Knicks, ruined the game of basketball, in my opinion. Um, because basically they took the attitude of they can't foul everybody out. <laughs> and so they <laughs> hammered people. And, yeah. yeah, they got four or five foul calls, but they didn't get kicked out. And right. it became a very rough game. It became a lot of shoving and pushing. You watch, like, Magic Bird era, dude, no – the defender does not touch you. Like, the – the one thing in basketball right now that determines the outcome of a game is how the ref is going to call the charging versus blocking foul. That's exactly yeah. what. Or, or how well you flop or how well you build up to yeah. part of the game, making sure that you're having chats with the refs every once in a while, making sure that you point out, hey, look at this guy. He's going to be holding me or whatever. It's become, right. it's become a wine fest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's get the ref. I mean, look at, look at Kobe Bryant. I love Kobe Bryant. I think he's a fantastic player. But Kobe Bryant made probably what, like 20 or 30% of his points off of free throws? Right. Because they go, oh, well, he's a veteran savvy to get to the line. No, that just means he knows how to run into a guy the right way and get the foul call. Yeah. Like, right? Like, so. And it's all momentum. That's exactly what the Rockets did last year with James Harden. The guy was at the line so frequently because he just go uncontrolled and he's going to his left. So defenders have a more difficult time stopping them. So he just runs into them. He's faster than you. And this year, I feel like the refs caught on to that, and they didn't call as many plays. And look at the Rockets. They did nothing. There you go. But and we you know what definite... like... What's up? I was just going to say, and that's what I like about Golden State, is they're starting to bring back a movement offense with a lot of passing. And, yep. um, and I think we're seeing the success out of that. Um, yep. Look, LeBron James is a beast. Uh, he's a freak of nature athlete. He's, fan he's, he's probably the best overall athlete we've ever seen in any of the three major sports ever. Right? Yep. Yep. I mean, right? I mean, he can go play all three sports right now if you really wanted to. Easy. But to talk about his, like, legacy is ridiculous, okay? The man probably generates somewhere around 20 to 30% of his points by just dribbling towards the middle, sloughing some defender off because he's nowhere near the size of him, getting the foul call and putting the ball in the hoop. Yep. I mean, and, you, and, and can you fault him for that? If it's, it's part of the game, take advantage. Oh, but yeah. do I say it's beautiful basketball? No. I mean, okay, if, if the audience out there really wants to know if I'm full of wind or whatnot, do this. Record a basketball game, any game you want. Every time there's a foul, fast forward till play starts again. The game will only be like 40 minutes long. I, <laughs> it, because half the game is foul shots. Yep. Boring. And then yep. these guys don't even know how to shoot them. Like, that's ridiculous. That's what's crazy. That's what I always think. If you're a shooter like – DeAndre Jordan or even Dwight Howard, and you stink at shooting free throws, why not try to shoot them underhand? You know, like, it's not going to look any more ridiculous <laughs> more, yeah, like, than you already are. But, but this is definitely a topic that, I, that I'd love to push for our basketball, for the court yes, podcast, if you, have, if, you, if, you ever, if you ever want to join us for that. <laughs> um, we're gonna go. We're kind of running out of time, so we're gonna go ahead and close off this episode. All right, of uh, the diamond. I want to thank you very much, Rob, for coming on. Definitely made this podcast a lot better today. Thank you, and I uh, hope to have you along either on this one or on any of the other podcasts on the Drive Podcast Network in the future. Yeah. Uh, with that, we're gonna close it off. Visit our website, drivepodcast.net, and take a look at all of our content. We have tons on there, and it's growing every single day. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. All right. Thank you, man.